a hole. That's your hole. Are you too good for your hole? Answer me. Welcome to the Nomcast, the Netflix original movie podcast. I am your host, Andrew Morgan. You can follow the show at Nomcast Pod on Twitter and Instagram, or you can follow me at Jokes on Drew. This episode is the start of a new series on the show entitled Netflix Year One, where we take a look back at what Netflix was producing in their first year as a full-fledged movie studio. And one of the first big steps in the Netflix original movie journey was in the form of a mega deal for big-time comedy star and Happy Madison producer Adam Sandler. On the podcast, I believe I said that Sandler's first movie, Ridiculous 6, was the first Netflix original movie, but I was mistaken. This is the first original comedy to be released by Netflix after the first drama, Beasts of No Nation, was released almost two months prior. Sandler would release two films in their first year, Ridiculous Six, a comedy western starring Sandler, Nick Nolte, Rob Schneider, Terry Crews, Luke Wilson, and many others. And The Do-Over, an action comedy starring Sandler and longtime friend and collaborator David Spade. To help me break those movies down, as well as a broader discussion of Sandler's films as a whole, I brought on the co-host of the Adam Sandler Please Stop podcast, Robert Bacon. His show is incredible, a, a must for Sandler fans, especially the confused and disillusioned ones such as myself. Go to adamsandlerpleasestop.com to listen to every episode or listen and subscribe on all podcast platforms. And of course, please rate and review the Nomcast as well on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks so much. Give a listen. Okay, I am here with Robert Bacon, co-host of Adam Sandler, Please Stop. Welcome to the show, Bacon. Thank you so much for having me on, Andrew. I can't wait to talk more about this person. Yeah, because if anyone knows uh, the Adam Sandler legacy, the Adam Sandler, uh, I, don't, I don't know if legacy should say, uh, for <laughs> first what that you put yourself through, uh, yourself and your co-host Marie Maloney, correct? Mm -hmm. Yeah, uh, Marie and I sat down and we watched every Adam Sandler movie uh, in order of theatrical release, uh, and then we watched uh, every Kevin James movie, and then she was like, I'm going to move to China, so then my buddy Caleb George jumped on, and he's like, I'm like, hey, do you want to uh, watch all these Rob Schneider movies together? And he's like, oh, God, no. 
we did anyway. And then we watched all the Happy Madison movies, which is all the movies that Adam Sandler produced. Right. And then we started doing other movies that just like they appeared in. Right. Uh, so I've watched them all. Yeah. And I noticed you even, uh, I don't know if you have a specific place that you put a list of, mm-hmm. of the rankings that you had, but I also noticed that you had a, a YouTube series as well that you went through with your rankings as well. Correct. Yeah, uh, I did that before I was finished. Matt, maybe, well, I mean, we're never going to be finished because he's always releasing movies, one of which actually looks good coming up. Uh, but uh, I should do it again because there was a bunch of movies added onto that. Uh, yeah, so if you just look up Adam Sandler, please stop on YouTube. You could check out those. Uh, I kind of cover them in like a uh, video essay style. And if you're on Letterboxd, I'm just Robert Bacon. Uh, that's where I have all my lists. So I have like a, an Adam Sandler list, a Kevin James list, all the all of them ranked in order. Oh, okay. Very cool. Uh, I noticed that your podcast uh, starts in February of 2017. And for, for the purposes of this podcast, uh, it's coincidental that the two movies that we will be discussing more in depth were the two movies preceding the start of your podcast. So I was wondering if there was any kind of influence that these movies did where you're like, listen, this guy needs to be stopped. This there there needs to be some kind of you know uh, fan <laughs> retribution on on behalf of everybody that we need to have a discussion about Adam Sandler. Is that how that worked out? Uh, I was doing I was actually doing another podcast called Try This Podcast. Uh, I used to do improv in Chicago, so I had a bunch of like comedian friends and a lot of people with a lot of really good ideas. So I decided to do this podcast where uh, every week whatever podcast you ever wanted to do, we would do that week oh, okay. uh, and we would try it. Uh, and one of those people was Marie Maloney, who her and I have watched many a bad movies together uh, and both have this disdain for Adam Sandler as his career got later. And he just decided to give up and be lazy, right. and go on vacation with other people's money. Yeah. Uh, so we got, so she had the idea of, let's do a podcast where we review every Adam Sandler movie and we'll call it Adam Sandler, please stop. And it was like funny, but like one of the cool things about the podcast was we always pretended like the podcast had like whatever episode we were doing. We didn't pretend like it was the first episode. So for this one, we just decided to review the most recent Adam Sandler movie, the do over. Right. uh, Just as like, Oh, cause that's the new one. So we're going to pretend like this is our, you know, 40th episode or whatever. Right. <laughs> uh, so that's how that started. Good call. Yeah. So, okay. So the do-over ended up being your first ever recording. So, yes. And we like hung on to that one yeah. and released it later, like episode, like way late into the series. Right. I remember listening to that where you're like, this isn't the format anymore. That we try to hold to uh, this, you know, harder one. You you were saying to me anyway that it was harder on you to kind of keep doing every half hour. You would talk for a specified amount of time and then move on uh, to the next half hour and so on, unless you had to stop at a specific moment. Right? That was the old format. Yeah, yeah. the The old format was like a great first idea and a great way to like record it, and then we quickly realized there was a lot of great parts about it. So we just kept the, we watched 30 minutes of the movie and then we talk about it. So it's like fresh. Right. Uh, and we could talk about it kind of in acts usually. Right. Uh, and then we each had a stop card where if anything happened, that was just too much and we needed to talk about it right then and there, we could use it. Right. Uh, those two ideas basically set the rest of the stage. The other ideas of like, there's time limits and there was some other stuff. Right. We made it too hard on ourselves basically. Yeah. 
Of course. Uh, so the the two movies we're going to talk about today, because this is a new segment for me where it is called Netflix Year One. And the first year that Netflix did streaming movies, like movies that they had made with their own budgets, uh, the first incarnation of this happens to deal with Adam Sandler. Uh, he signed a four-movie deal for $250 million. Wow. Yeah. And later re-signed for another four at a estimated to be the same rate. So apparently oh. it's going well for them. Good <laughs> uh, Lord. I mean, they, they said, uh, I know you guys have covered Murder Mystery. They said that, obviously, that that one had some kind of extraordinary, like the most views that they've had of anything up to that date yeah that's always the case yeah. uh because they always plastered on the front screen of course so i don't know how how much credit you can give it right I, I, well especially because they keep gaining subscribers so it seems to be like well yeah most things are going to be the new new number anyway because you know yeah. keep increasing the the number of subscribers so it's going to have more clicks more eyeballs anything like that so it doesn't mm-hmm. impress me and to be honest what they consider a view i'm not entirely sure what that it, you know it said like did they watch it for five minutes and turn it off did they do it so i have no idea i went through this with the bird box thing uh too as well because they made a big deal out of the numbers on that too so you know who knows exactly how they keep their system in order of yeah, but to them, I guess it was. I feel like they just need content, and they yeah. don't even really care. So they'll count anything as a view. Sure. And just having like an Adam Sandler face on a movie, just kind of like, uh, I'm never going to watch that movie, but it's great to know that Netflix has this kind of content. Right. You know. Why? Well, it's just filler. Yeah, I mean, because you, you obviously uh, watched all the movies leading up to this point in time. So the the movies leading up to this uh, was in that horrible. You know, you're talking Jack and Jill. That's my boy. Like all those type of terrible movie. Like obviously the Grown Ups ones too uh, were, yep. were before this. Uh, and apparently, you know, obviously Sandler started to become kind of a, a negative to the box office. Like you know, because yep. especially because his budgets were way more than what you would think for a movie that should be like an Adam Sandler comedy. Like so, yeah. And they never look as expensive as they no, are. No, God no. And and no. And I'll I'll go over when we when we start talking about ridiculous sticks in in general. But he seems to kind of be at this point in time, uh, this guy who's just he's a negative or he's barely breaking even. Like he's not what it was anymore. So no. right before the Netflix deal, he sees the writing on the wall and he goes, "Oh well, they don't want to pay me." what I want to be paid anymore. So let's see if some other sucker will <laughs> Netflix <laughs> comes along. They sign him to this huge deal and you know, they start prepping to see what he's going to release. And he had already had a movie started in development at another studio, which was ridiculous six. Yep. Sony pictures, right? Uh, Sony pictures. Yeah, and then Paramount, yeah, Sony and Paramount seems to be, and yeah. to be honest, uh, the one thing I've learned from doing a lot of these Netflix original movies and kind of seeing what the story was, they kind of picked the pockets of those two, the most Paramount being probably the most. Mm-hmm. So basically they just kind of like dumpster dive for some of these studios, especially early on. And, and Sandler, you know, comes into here and he brings ridiculous six over 
And immediately, it's, for lack of a better word, it's ridiculous. He comes in and (laughs) Ridiculous had a $60 million budget, which just to give a comparison, Hateful Eight in the same year cost $44 million. Yeah, and it doesn't even look half as good as the Hateful Eight. No. It looks like straight garbage. (laughs) I mean, it is... It's one of the best looking Adam Sandler films. Yes, that and for good reason, that's produced by the him. Uh, the cinematographer yeah. is Dean Semler. Uh, he actually shot, he okay. shot Dances with Wolves and and City okay. Slickers and like so. At least they gave it a shot. <laughs> they put mm-hmm. some some of that ridiculous budget into something that mattered. Hey, the shots are set up correctly. Uh, the shots are interesting. Yes. Uh, it's just everything in f- everything that the shot makes up of is nonsense and garbage. Absolutely. And it looks really fake and everything looks like a Yes, set. absolutely agree. But uh, of the two movies I did notice between this and the do-over, this one actually feels like an Adam Sandler movie, like as opposed to the do-over where the do-over feels like they tried to do way too much. And that's why it ends up being a confusing oh. mess, but we'll get that when we, when we get well, to that. Well, the do-over is that way because a really dumb person tried to make, write something really profane and smart, and because they're dumb, it doesn't No, make it doesn't sense. at all. And this one is more like, I feel like, I think this one was also written by, do we know who, who wrote yeah. this one? Because it's, I think it's like Kevin, I think it's an Adam Sandler. Uh, Absolutely. Like it's Tim Hurley, who actually... Yeah, he oh. wrote most of Sandler's movies, starting all the way back to Billy Madison. He wrote all the biggies. He did Wedding Singer. He did Wa- yeah. Waterboy. Yeah. So he's got uh, a lot of the same ones. And including the directors, this, uh, similar story. It's Frank Corsi, and he did Wedding Singer, Waterboy, Click. So he's familiar with Sandler's style as well. Yeah. So they did a couple good movies and then gave yeah. up. Because, like, Wedding Singer's one of his right. best uh one of the best, but like this, it feels like, yeah, you're right. It 100% feels like an Adam Sandler movie through and through. And maybe that's why like, I'm talking about this. It's, it's like in the middle of the pack for my movies of his, it's not even close to my like least favorite. Movie yeah, it's it's very cool. Adam Sandler. Do you happen to know but, the number offhand? <laughs> yeah, I, I got it. Oh, I got it open right here. Uh, out of 40 movies, it sits at number 17. Yeah. It's not, uh, not bad considering <laughs> No, it's sandwiched between it is worse than Hotel Transylvania 1, but it is better than Hotel Transylvania 3. <laughs> well, yeah. That's true. Now, is the third one when they're on vacation or is that two? Third one is on vacation. The second one is uh, Old Man Yells at Cloud. Uh, it's Adam It's Adam Sandler's character. It's like, they don't grow up the way that we used to grow up and things are wrong and I'm an old man. And gotcha. uh, it's, number two is the worst out of the series. Yeah. Three is harmless. There's some good motion. Uh, I would take a, I would eat a whole chocolate bar and then uh, watch Hotel Transylvania three. Yeah. So, oh man, but yeah, seventeen is respectable, and I, I, I think I feel very similar about this movie. Like I said, it does feel more like a more traditional Sandler movie. It feels like they tried. There are some things, especially compared to the Do Over, where I, I actually laughed out loud with this movie. Like. 
Yeah, there's some, some funny, funny parts stuff in, this in there. Movie. Uh, but also, uh, even before they got started, there was already problematic stuff with this shoot. I don't know if you remember. Yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I do remember a bunch of Native American extras yeah. walked off set because of how they were being treated and the script. Yeah, about racist. it. Yeah, being demeaning, racist. Yeah, all of that. Uh, mm-hmm. and, also, and then they defended it by saying that it was just ridiculous. Right. And and it, that it's a satire, and it's not a satire. Yes. It's farce. Uh, it's not yeah, saying is- anything. <laughs> uh, we talked about this on that. Yeah, there's the, yeah, there's no nuance. Okay. There's no homages. There's no nothing. It's just hey, we're we just happen to be in the old west making fun. Of it. The only homage I could think they're trying to do is Adam Sandler is kind of doing his Native American John Wayne. Ugh, I guess. Okay. Uh, <laughs> I guess awful. that's true. I, I couldn't really pinpoint the accent, especially because it, in this movie, he starts out doing a Native American accent and he loses it very quickly and just decides to kind of just keep going with that grizzled monotone thing that he was doing for most of the movie. So even he checks out oh. with the Native American part, like as soon as they do. You get... At max, in these later Adam Sandler movies, about 30 minutes of screen time of Adam uh, yes. semi-trying. Uh, and then the rest of the film, he's not trying at all. You could tell like you could tell there's certain weeks where he cares during this vacation yes. that he's on, uh, that it's going to be fun. And then the others, he's just he's checked out. He's doing other stuff every day of the week. He's hanging out with his wife and kids who are in all right. these goddamn movies. Yeah, where where did you – because I, I totally agree with your assessment of the vacation movie thing. So wh- when did that yes. seem to start? Like 50 First Dates? Um, no, okay. So like maybe that might be the origin of like, hey, this happened and how awesome is this that I got to make a movie and also yeah. be on vacation? That might have I mean, Grown Ups is an obvious one. But I think Grown Ups is – like, hey, I'm going to go vacation in an easy place that I know with all right. these, all my friends. I can't. I mean, blended 100. Yeah. Uh, that is just him on vacation. Uh, I don't know exactly which movie. I'd have to like put them all in order. Right. But that's definitely the seed of things. I mean, I felt like maybe the first Grown Ups movie is the first movie where you're like, this guy doesn't give a shit, and then he kept going, and then you knew things were getting bad when it got to yeah. Pixels. And they weren't even using his face on the posters or anything. <laughs> yeah, so, here's Pac-Man. He'll sell the movie for us. Yeah, and even that bombed or didn't do as well as oh, it's the one poster of the or whatever. Things but yeah, so many of his later films, I hate his vacation films. They are by far the worst. Uh, well, I guess, you know what? Murder Mystery is 100% in that. But if you want to go back to the, the start of it, his very first movie ever, Going yeah. Overboard, is they just literally got to go on a cruise ship right. for free because it was transporting people. And so I guess that's a vac- his very first movie was yeah. a vacation movie. And, and that also, if I'm not mistaken, also had just random like exotic models or, or pageant stuff going on, right? It was literally just heading back to another port, switching seasons over. Like cruise ships have like one season in the summer up in Maine or whatever. And then they have to, in the winter they go down to new Orleans or whatever. So during that trip, there's, it's kind of chartered. So they had a bunch of Miss America, not oh, like Miss universe right, yeah. contestants on the ship. And then they got a stowaway on there, but then they also forgot like a box of lenses back at port. <laughs> so they had to shoot most of the movie with unbelievable lenses. Uh, yeah. So that's that. And movie. that's even before he got SNL, right? That's like pre everything, right? No. 
he is he was on SNL, I think. I can't remember. He was either on SNL or was getting they SNL. Released it right after uh, somebody. It's 89. Like it got re-released after Billy Madison got released. It got re-released with like a new cover and then that's when right. you saw it everywhere and uh like Yeah, exactly. Poster. So so ridiculous <laughs> six though. So it <laughs> Yeah, I know I'm sorry we have to talk about these things. <laughs> yeah. I don't want to. <laughs> so it's released uh December 11th, 2015. It has all this controversy with the Native American actors walking off. Uh, it also, even upon its release, had some criticism for relegating women to basically cleavage and mute roles. Which is weird to me because Adam Sandler was doing that long yeah. before this movie. So I just think nobody was paying attention until it was like the first Netflix movie. And then everyone's like, hey, right. what's going yeah, on? How do you think Sandler has handled uh, women's roles over time? Because I find it fascinating that even in movies that he's now including his own wife, that he doesn't change at all in terms of how you think to handle female characters. Very few Adam Sandler movies have any strong female characters or anybody that, like, I don't even think any of his movies. What's the test of where, like, girls, if girls only talk about oh, boys? I know what you're talking uh, about. I don't have the, the name off the top of my head, but yeah. Uh, we'll just get it. I, I, I don't think women have ever been really uh, <laughs> uh, viewed highly right. in any Adam Sandler movie. Uh, they're all just kind of the love interest or the hot girl. The only girls who seem to get any kind of depth to their character are uh, Drew Barrymore characters and almost to an extent, Mm. uh, Jennifer Aniston. Um, But most of the time she's just like, uh, like snarky hot girl. Pretty much. And even uh, things that they tried with like, the do-over, uh, which had a lot of complaints, but like uh, the character that kind of is the double cross in that movie, at least you can say they tried yeah. to have someone of depth uh, because I, I mean, they haven't tried probably since like big daddy, maybe where uh, like, <sighs> but even then there's another girl who's an awful person. Like they always have to like, they're, they always have to balance it out by like, if there is a positive female, there has to be this worst yeah. girl in the world who like cheats on people or like, makes these wrong choices and is really mean or you know and adam sandler is always like the coolest guy in the world and it's her fault yeah he he gets in that mode of like heart of gold characters where he's kind of above those type of things in that time period the mr deeds the big daddy the you know just so many guys where he's just trying to be above the fray and you know kind of point out everybody's wrongs for a short period of time but then he went right back to just being yep despicable and ridiculous and everything else again it's and i feel like at first that was endearing with all his characters and then after a while you start to realize that he's just doing it for himself and he's not that person and everybody thinks that he's this he's the hero from all these movies and he's not so ridiculous six i mean his character I, i i i don't even know where to start so he He's somehow, yeah. He's, you know, he's raised by Native Americans after his mother's death. His father's mm-hmm. out of the picture because he's an outlaw, yep. and so you create yeah. this scenario to where now not only will he have a Native American accent of some sort, but he will also have these mystical powers somehow in this movie. Yeah, yeah. I think we. 
We missed the part where he got bit by a radioactive Native American. Oh my God, he turns into a tumbleweed by saying Adam Sandler gibberish. It's not even... Yeah. It's not even Native American in anything. He literally is just doing Adam Sandler gibberish yeah. and tumbling as a tumbleweed. I laughed out loud at that part. It is awful. It is so that bad. That is so bad. Like that whole sequence, because that leads into the poker game sequence <laughs> with Vanilla Ice and Blake Shelton and David Spade and all these extra people that don't need to be here. Oh my God. Vanilla Ice is Mark Twain is probably my favorite really? part of the whole movie. Yeah. Cause yeah, it's, it's so it, stupid. It, 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 it's a flex. Uh, it's definitely uh, a thought of <laughs> like, okay, so we're going to have Mark Twain. He's going to be played by Vanilla Ice. We're going to have him mostly act mm-hmm. like Vanilla Ice or the caricature of Vanilla Ice, but we're going to maybe drop just a few hints of what, Mark Twain's known for just to keep up appearances and then uh, his one it, it really bothers me the ending of this movie and we spoil everything obviously you probably put on by now but the okay. the ending of this movie where Mark Twain is at the wedding and dancing with them after he's been double crossed and robbed by the same crew that he's hanging out with on top of the absurdity already is just one amazing flex by Sandler on his part. Like, I don't know what the hell they were thinking at that point. They don't, I don't think they really knew. I think maybe, I think, I don't think any adult actually looked no. at this script Especially before it started being two hour movie. Because it doesn't make any sense. It's way too long. I, I think, think that's so. my biggest problem with the movie, is that it's too long. But it is filled with, like, scenes like that yeah. that are insane. Like when John Lovett shows up and he's the host of the party, when David Spade is General Custer, when Chris Kattan is John Wilkes Booth. I do like the Lincoln stuff that did make me laugh. That was actually funny. As Abe Lincoln, too, if Um, I'm not mistaken. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I got to go take a dump. And that's why Lincoln got (laughs) shot. Well, that's typical Adam Sandler right there. If, if that you know tells you anything, yeah. it, it that could have been a, a sketch in one of his oh for uh, sure CDs. That's absolutely true, and in fact, that might mm-hmm. be where all these things go now because he kind of he's doing the stand up again. He's you know doing all the movies like so. If he has any of these ideas, I guess this is where it's going to end out. Yep, we're all just so we're all just living in his also because you have such a, a, a history on on his movies too it used to be you had his boys but they weren't like huge stars he didn't have he had just like kind of his cast of Mm -hmm. characters he would fill out roles with some old familiar snl guys or something when did it turn over to where every movie of his has to have a cast of known people like 20 people long i think the well it was well before this like in eight crazy nights he used things a little easy again um but it I'm gonna say I'm gonna say the turning point is probably the youngest nard. Uh, that's what we call it. Sorry, on the podcast. Yes. Uh, it's called the longest yard, uh, and the re- it's he's one he combined his biggest hit right. football of the Water Boy uh, with a remake, and then a cast of not only all his friends but just cameos of famous people right. and Burt Reynolds. And that was kind of the point. I feel like he's like, oh, yeah, this is where all yeah. my friends need to be in this movies. And that's like in I know right. Chuck and Larry a bunch show up, uh, Zohan, uh, then 
bedtime stories and funny people, but those are not really like, those are Adam Sandler movies, but they're like bedtime stories was Adam Sandler's uh, happy medicine and Disney working together. And then funny people is, so that's more of a Judd Apatow movie. So then after that, the next movie he made was Grown Ups, And that was literally just like, Hey, the movie that made the most money, the longest yard had this thing. So I'm going to do the exact. Yeah. That makes sense. In Grown Ups And, but yeah, and then he obviously it's keeps awful. doing it over and over and over, and obviously the budgets go up because of it and everything else, and now he's just wildly out of control, and now he's Netflix's problem, and here we are. So we're Ridiculous 6, he the the 6 ends up being mm-hmm. uh, Schneider doing uh, what I was going to ask you uh, with Schneider, especially because you did all his. What is your favorite ethnicity of Schneider? Because... He tends to do so many that, like, I I don't even know what Rob Schneider is himself anymore, I think. I think I forgot that, like, the Schneider might lean towards he might have a Jewish background. I'm not sure. Uh, He could be literally – he's so ethnically ambiguous that he took that to, like, as his calling card all of a sudden. Yeah. uh, Trying to ask – that's like asking me – that's like asking a wino <laughs> what their favorite kind of wine. Yes, uh, it's I, trying to pick one ethnicity that Rob Schneider puts out is is really really hard. Oh man, I would say definitely uh, his Bucktooth Asian. Oh yeah, I now pronounce you Chuck and Larry. That was yes. all oh, yes. breakfast at Tiffany's. Racist. It is so bad, and it, on top of that, he does that exact same voice. Mm. Uh, in a crazy nights yeah. uh, racist Asian voice. And that's actually, and I feel like maybe that's his, his bread and butter because he is, he's either a quarter or half oh, really? uh, Filipino. Yeah. So that's how, that's what, okay. he, that's what he says to get away with it. Why he can play uh, a Mexican stereotype and ridiculous right. six. Nobody really knows. Everyone just knows that he's a chameleon. And then right. he can take on any role that you put him in. You know, he's, he's such an elite actor <laughs> that he kind of he likes to immerse himself he is. in any of these cultures and really digs into the role. So it makes sense that he would take something on. I mean, he he played Adam Sandler in <laughs> yeah, Warmers, that's true. Essentially, he took it, you know, yeah, and he's he's awful. God, he's awful. Uh, and then, uh, and, and don't mess with the Zohan. He's got a really bad, uh, a Middle Eastern oh. fake nose and, uh, and, and in click too. Oh, well, okay. in this we'll one, of course, he takes six. on the Mexican character. So he, he ends up being Ramon, uh, yes. who is, mm-hmm. uh, the son of a Mexican cleaning woman, of course, because God knows even in the old West, we can't give them any dignity whatsoever. And then, and then we have Terry no. Cruz. Oh, you're just going to move. Hold on, we're going to move past the the point f- the zero point oh. five member of the ridiculous. Series. Oh, of course. Uh, the donkey so the good. that shits on command. When that happened, that's when it changed my opinion of the movie. Right from being I am not having any fun <laughs> to am I I am having the most fun. This movie yes. is. Stupid, and it, it thinks it's trying to maybe so. say something. <laughs> I don't know, but yeah. it, but I don't yeah. really care, and I'm going to enjoy it. And I did. I enjoyed yeah, it. From I, then I, on I, out, I kind of agree. I mean, like the first laughs I think I got with this movie, uh, memory serve, is the the small Native American child with the the hatchet that they would do, and the and the and the yes. corresponding jokes to, with the chief. 
the person who actually raised Adam Sandler. I think he's really good in this movie. He is his one-liners that they give him. Besides, yeah. these white men can't dance. Bes- that one line doesn't hit. But the yeah, rest, he so. does a really fantastic job. And, and unfortunately, uh, he's surrounded with the rest of some of the most awful stereotypes, including uh, Adam Sandler's own wife uh, playing oh. the. Of course, she can't just be a Native American; she also has to be the slut of the of the <laughs> of the group as well. Yep. So Adam Sandler put his wife in the movie, mm-hmm. had himself dating and uh, married to the hottest woman, right, uh, in the world. And in this movie, he puts his wife in there and he's like, all right, so your role in this movie is you're the slutty Native American girl who goes topless and does nothing but pine over me. Yeah. And she's like, totally, I'm in. That's super funny. Yeah. I don't know uh, if she had much of a career before Sandler started putting her into these things. I don't believe so. (laughs) But man, uh, the type of roles that he does, like the do-over is somehow worse. It is the worst because he puts himself in a love triangle with the two hottest women in the world, and then he shoves his wife in there also to watch. Yes. And it's ve- it's like a weird sexual fantasy that he's used millions of dollars and everybody watching him to put on himself. He's like a sexual deviant, and he's getting away with it. Yeah. I mean, yeah, we'll get more into that when we when we talk about the do-over, but my God, the, the roles, it, it's outrageous. What he does. You know, we keep talking about that one. Let's. We really want to get to it, obviously. Yeah. Uh, can I talk about my favorite moment? In I have okay. I have my favorite moment and my least favorite moment for this movie. Sure. My favorite moment was when I the when I meet Dad song. Oh God! It might be the one of the dumbest things I've ever seen on screen. Oh yeah! It was amazing it went on for like 18 minutes i don't know how long it went on for. It's extreme it was amazing i don't think any your thoughts fire on. moments in this movie amount to anything worth a damn especially like there's that one where uh they try to like swat and kill a fly for a few minutes uh and it ends up being a, a yet another dick joke where i think they castrate a fly Mm-hmm. Uh, like there's yeah. nothing good going on, and they end up shooting the donkey or shooting a horse so the donkey can be with the other horse or to take over. It's 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 baffling. It's dumb. Um, but there's there's nothing going to say. And I and I think they tried to think like, oh well, we have to do some some good campfire stuff, a la like Blazing Saddles, and like kind of have something to they be. Were you know, these funny singing songs are funny, you know, kind of like poke fun at the old West stuff. And man, do they miss, miss huge, miss really bad, huge misses. Um, uh, but with the, when I meet dad song is maybe that's why I liked it the most because all the other campfire scenes were such garbage, yes. but this one was so stupid. It was really funny when the donkey starts singing. Um, that really got me. God. Yeah. It was like, I was watching a stage play that like my friends put up. <laughs> Especially, and and this is, I I don't even want to insult you to say that it seems like a lot of these are like basic improv exercises that people wouldn't even like pass. Like it wouldn't even come close to being into a script that it's just like one off ideas that it's like, oh yeah, let's just do that for a while and see what happens. It's like somebody wrote down the exact improv scene. Right. And forgot to actually go through it and comb it and know that you could change it and make it back into a normal good scene. Right. Which is actually my problem with my least favorite part of the movie, 
which is the John Turturro invention of baseball, because that scene is like a scene that I have seen like multiple times in sketch writing. Oh, classes. for sure. I would imagine. And it, it follows a fun game of here's the invention of baseball and the rules are weird because the guy who invented it just really wanted to win the first game. And it, it, it doesn't, but the problem with this one is it like, it doesn't heighten anything and it just kind of sits in it and it really d- detracts from the whole and movie. It's so long. And the movie's already two hours long. Why is this random invention of baseball scene in there? It should have been one joke, maybe. Yes. Or use Don, John Totoro for something else, because I feel like he, he's a charm. I love him. He's oh, my he's favorite part. Yeah. I love him. I love seeing him on screen, but not 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 now. Yeah. Not in this, especially so late in the movie, too. Oh, absolutely. And, and the whole thing is just for them to kind of taking clues and trying to get checkpoint to checkpoint to find the father or find the, the, the treasure, I should say, or that maybe his father had buried somewhere it's it's outrageous how long that takes like you were saying it's a two-hour movie between the fly killing stuff the poker game and the john Turturro scene if you take those out and make this a more streamlined hour and 40 it's actually not bad it's probably passable yeah I mean, you could even keep in that luke wilson uh first secret service member abe lincoln thing uh, because at least it's connected to like why he's the way he yes. is. You know, there's there's no connection to baseball in any other part of this movie. There's no connection to Mark Twain in no. any other part of this movie. Though I do love Vanilla Ice playing Vanilla Ice as Mark yeah. Twain. Don't get me wrong. Yeah, no, it, it, they always have like at least these few people that aren't actors to try to to spice up the movie in some some semblance. This one, obviously, having Blake Shelton, Vanilla Ice in the same scene. You have Dan Patrick being Abe Lincoln. Uh, and I know, you know, in other movies, like even the Grown Ups, I, or Grown Ups 2, like Michael Kay, the Yankees announcers, like, in it uh, for a certain role. Like, he always finds something. I think Rex Ryan is also in one of those. As well. Rex Ryan's in That's My Boy. Right. Uh, and he is awful. Yeah. And he he's a patriot he loves the patriots in that movie which is like kind of right. a funny joke but but annoying uh and, and he also gets dave matthews uh from dave matthews band uh to show up in a lot of movies. weirdly enough dave matthews not a bad actor no in the adam sandler movies he's the only one acting and he does a fantastic job in just go yeah with it. and i actually saw him in an yeah. episode of house once and he was like incredible what did he's is he the one who had lupus? Finally? What's that? Was he the first guy to get lupus? Uh, on that no, show? no. So surprisingly, not. They made him into a a, okay. a, a dim witted musical prodigy, where like he had some kind of brain injury that made him play the piano well. It's very oh, yeah. I hate it. <laughs> but he's good. Uh, whether whether you like the okay. show or like the premise, he ended up being very good. But, but again, uh, Sandler, I'm sure, wasn't scouting him or anything. He was just kind of like, this would be interesting. So, But he yeah. seems to be – that seems to be another note of what he does. I think my favorite uh, cameo guy probably in this whole thing is Buscemi. Oh, Steve Buscemi is the in the yes. barbershop scene? I think, I think oh. all those scenes are at least – especially in a movie like this is on the higher echelon. Of all of those characters. Steve Buscemi is in a lot of Adam Sandler movies, and he is also yeah. a delight. Whenever I see him, I get very excited. He's yeah, he doesn't... Uh, I don't know if 
like Totoro and him and some others like learn their lesson along the way to like not indulge in these too hard, like just kind of be like, yeah, I'll just do a little bit. I'll do a small role. I'm not going to sign on to do these larger. I had my time with you kind of like saw the writing on the wall and kind of bailed out. I don't know. Uh, They'd be smarter for it. Yeah. Buscemi. Yeah. Because this is after the cobbler. I think Buscemi learned his lesson after the cobbler to just be like, all right, I'm not going to be, I'm going to just show up because when he shows up in like Billy Madison, I mean, that's just, that's one of the most seminal moments he had, especially early on. Yeah. So when you see him in here and they do like this whole scene and then how about like how the barber also used to be the uh, guy who healed people and then, but nobody's sanitary. So he's wiping everybody. Which is supposed to be a nod to the, the Billy Madison character with the lipstick application. It's kind of like he does the same thing with that at the end with the, the cream on the same way. Oh, yeah. Okay, it's not as good, so it makes me upset that they try to connect that. <laughs> of course. But all in all, I, I think this movie, it hits a lot of the same things that that he's tried to do during this time period and has some reasonable success, but also still hitting a lot of the things that people start to hate him for or the things that are starting to you know, really grind on people over time like uh some of the like you said the 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 woman stuff the casual racism the uh you know all these things that people just you know they kind of i don't know because you're how old biggin i'm 35 you're 35 okay i'm 37 so my my arc with sandler is when i was a teenager he's a god like i played his albums nonstop, and they were Mm -hmm. incredible they were the funniest thing to me ever. And obviously, Billy Madison, Happy Gilmore, all those those movies mean a lot to me and meant a lot to me then. The, the world. Yeah. And then yes. over time, you're like, especially something like Big Daddy and those, you're like, oh, is, is Sandler growing up? Is he refining himself? Like, Wedding Singer's really good, and Big Daddy's like a kind of more of a grown-up movie. I'm like, okay, so am I supposed to be growing up with him now is that the arc we're gonna go and then all of a sudden like little nikki happens and you're just like what is Mm -hmm. happening what is like especially as a follow-up to like the water boy and those type type of things and then somehow it gets progressively worse from there and 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 i don't know when you bowed out or if you ever bowed out um because i obviously i bowed i started little nikki was when i bowed out Okay. Yeah, and and you were younger than uh, me when that happened, so it, yeah. it's interesting to kind of see people, and especially for a person like yourself who started this podcast. You know, yeah. What made you want to go back? Uh, because Adam Sandler is and has the capability of being a good actor. He has the capability. Uh, he he does have comedic chops. He can care. He can produce really awesome yeah. stuff. Unfortunately, you know, it's his life and he kind of wants to go on vacations and do his thing and hang out with his friends. And, you know, what? maybe his comedy hasn't evolved very well, Uh, you know, which is why, like, you know, his best stuff on his special is clearly other people writing for him stuff, you know, but that's fine. That's normal. uh, uh, What is it? A wallet keys song that what is it? Uh, Yeah, yeah, yeah. Phone wallet. keys. You did the interview for that? Yeah. For the guy who uh, he, you you guys had a special episode about that where apparently this guy, I don't know if he ended up taking 
action, but he his his case is pretty solid. Yeah, his, his song does sound a lot like the Adam. For those of you who hasn't listened to that, it's uh, uh, Adam Sandler's a song that is very similar to another song that was already like released. Uh, a couple other songs I found out because other people contacted yeah, me, and there's it seems to be actually something like that popular, or something like that. Yeah, it's pretty like phone wallet keys yeah. weed, uh, or like just kind of mixing around right. that kind of stuff. But it's I I don't know. I know Adam Sandler didn't write that. I know another guy wrote that, and I don't think that he would do that. So I don't I don't know. I'm st- I'm I was kind of more towards he stole it, and then as time has passed, I. I don't know. And I don't want to be the person to really call him out. On right. That. Cause I don't know. It's yeah. I don't know. I'm on the fence. We, I, if I don't know if he even went back over mm-hmm. it, but uh, yeah. So back to sure. why I decided to do it is cause, cause when he does make, I, I don't know, I just want him to stop making bad movies. And I would really like it if he, you know, put some effort into the, the ones that he has done because like, you know, I don't hate the movies that he puts effort into. I don't hate, like don't mess with the Zohan is not a good film. Uh, I know it's all in a lot of people's hearts. It's in like, it's number 14. Yeah, I didn't think it was that movies. bad. So that's, it's not because you know what it's Adam Sandler seems to care and like the character and, and like, and like right. what he's doing. Uh, and I'm not going to fault him for stuff like that. Uh, and you know, and when he made the Marowitz stories and the Marowitz stories, I can remember yeah. it correctly. Like that's another, that's another it great is. film. Uh, apparently uncut gems that's coming out, uh, soon is supposed to be really good. So every now and then punch from yeah. love is fantastic. I think he has the ability to do these awesome things and it's his life. And he just chose, he, he it makes me upset that he's, yeah, that he kind of like these terrible mind. movies. Yeah. Like that's my boy and other horribly offensive, not just, not just offensive, but just like, if you are like impressionable by Adam Sandler from a young age, like these are not the morals and ideas that you really want to right. pass down to people. Like Billy Madison was a goof off, uh, alcoholic idiot, but he learned yeah. his lesson at the end and became and a better person. The jokes but are in, so good that you don't that, yeah. also, you can ignore a lot of those even as time progresses, you know, that like you can totally forgive. Excellent. Writer. Yeah. Yeah. So, but then you watch a movie like that's my boy where he's an alcoholic dickhead and he doesn't change at the end of the movie. It was his son who was the one who needed to change right. Andy Samberg, right. not him. And it's like, you lost, you lost your own like yes. compass on this buddy. And, and that's why and, I'm upset. And one of these movies that you're talking about is the do-over. It is exactly. It's another. It's a yeah. somehow more problematic than the ridiculous six. I would imagine, if I remember correctly, that this is way farther south on your list than uh, ridiculous six was. You said ridiculous six was what seventeen. Ridiculous six was seventeen. And and the do-over ended up landing where the do-over is. Hold on here. If I, yep, I do believe it is. It's number 39 out of 40. It is my second wow. least favorite. Yeah, so I won't belabor uh, any point in this movie for you because I know even when we discussed doing this that I wasn't even – I was like, you don't have to rewatch it. You don't have to do it because it's enough of an, to do it the first time. This movie has an incredible amount of sexism. Mm-hmm ultra homophobic scenes homophobic. Uh, like the finger BJ motorcycle guy part, oh, yeah. and the, and possibly in the Matt Walsh character, but even that's hard to tell what exactly his character is and what the motivations are as well. It's largely just stupid. 
but then it tries it, it does the ultimate in 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 ter- plot twists uh with somehow trying to lead you to a cure for cancer yeah it is and, and government conspiracy work it's like your know? crazy uncle at thanksgiving wrote a screenplay and that's what this screenplay is yes and then oh and then they filled it with which uh, it's they, they filled it with just boomer humor the whole thing is like yes it's the worst like it's kathy level co- like kathy comics level bad yeah. <laughs> yes <laughs> and and, and it, the team that he assembles for this is not his typical things unlike ridiculous six mm-hmm. so it's directed by Stephen brill who he did little nicky so that should tell you a lot he also did sandy wexler oh. so i believe those two are probably super far down on your list as well oh i gotta check that one too because geez i hated that one and even when he went outside the adam sandler universe the best thing he did was maybe without a paddle and that oh, movie that is okay. awesome. It was okay. What movie did you want on, to know on my list? Oh, Sandy Wexler, Little Nicky. Sandy I Wexler mean, he was, is 24 on the list, so it's like pretty bad, but it's harmless. Yeah. Uh, and Little Nicky, I have 34, so it's really, that's... Uh, that's yeah, it's really going south. Yeah. So, And then the writing team that he assembles is Kevin Barnett, who wrote Hall Pass and The Heartbreak Kid, which uh, I believe that's even a remake to the Ben Stiller movie. And then uh, Chris Pappas uh, was the other writer on this, and he uh, his only writing credit of note was he was a the writer and creator of Unhitched, which was like a Fox TV show produced by the Fairley Brothers, if you remember no. that short thing. Okay. So basically not a murderer's row by any stretch, but, you know, trying something different. And it definitely didn't feel like, even though Stephen Brill has, you, you know, worked with Sandler multiple times before, it's still, this movie doesn't largely feel like it moves like an Adam Sandler movie. No, it moves, it feels at best unhinged. At worst, it feels like, uh, like a bad sketch that just keeps going. It's filmed kind of like a sketch with like these weird, everything looks like so flat. It's disgusting. I hate this movie. Yeah. The, and, and it also goes along with your theory of he tries for the first 25, 30 minutes theory, because even if he's bad, the first 25 minutes aren't that bad. There's some ridiculous scenes. There's like, uh, I think, in the first 25 minutes is basically right up until when they find the safety deposit box in Puerto Rico. Yes. Like oh my maybe God. Yeah. Like, so you're, you're, you're getting right into the, they just fake their own death and is just starting the move. But those first 25 minutes are basically just the, the reconnection between Spade and Sandler and, and figuring out, you know, who these guys are, where this can go. And, and how awful David Spade's life is, I guess. Yeah. Uh, and trying to set up whatever Sandler's character is lying about at the moment. Well, because the, <laughs> he, he moves around a lot in terms of what he is, what he does, and just a chronic liar. Yeah. And the whole beginning part of the uh, Oh, man. I'm just, I'm sorry. I'm having flashbacks to the beginning part of this movie and <laughs> watching it so long ago, even yeah. of just, I specifically, Within the first few minutes of the movie, it shows you that it doesn't know what it's doing. Uh, where the first joke, I think, is the joke with David Spade. He works at a bank, but the bank is in the grocery store. 
And so they're, and therefore that yeah. bank is less of a bank because it's a grocery store bank. And like, that's the joke of like, he's pathetic or right. something. And oh, ha ha. I can't believe he has a, a manager job at a bank, I guess is a bad thing. And uh, right. how, how sad and pathetic this guy is. But instead of just like showing that to us and just like having a, having a scene in which you see that he works at the bank in a grocery store and kind of just film it where you see that. And that being the joke, literally the only thing they talk about when he's there is him being uh, a grocery store bank uh, manager. And it's so obnoxious yeah. and it shows how they don't even know, like they, they can ruin any joke that they touch. Yeah. And this movie also, obviously, like we said before, follows the St. Laurent vacation theory as well with his friends. And and also, this is the extension of the of the family inclusion, too, because it's not only is his wife in some very awful three way scene, uh, but now his kids are involved. And I think maybe even a nephew. I'm, I'm, I'm I believe it's mostly just his kids. Uh, so it starts to really start to to reach out. And it's a heck of a movie to to do so, of course. It's it's really weird that he, he's been adding his kids into these movies forever as well um it's right. really really annoying um i mean they try their best but also it's just like you know it's them and it really takes you out of the movie uh right it, well as much like and then also all the corona and bud light that takes you out of the yeah. movie i have that yeah. written down i'm seeing this right now yeah of course yeah and of course we also get into after he just had a lot of criticism about uh the the sexism or the the lack of dialogue and, and actual depth that his female characters have this one really dials in with you know Catherine Hahn uh being like uh for half the movie she's listed as like the psycho ex-girlfriend that's stalking yep. him Ugh. and and then ends up being his wife and it leads down uh to the end of the movie where they have that fight between Catherine Hahn and, oh, and Paula uh Patton. Paula Patton who, by yeah, the way, Paula Patton uh, who's, is not doesn't wear a shirt in this movie that doesn't show off ninety percent of her boobs. Yes, absolutely. And, um, and, which is so funny because she started her career being so buttoned up and and mm-hmm. and and serious, like she was an ADA on Law and Order. Like she's yeah. uh, you know in Mission Impossible Ghost Protocol. Like she's got a lot of. Chop, she doesn't need to be doing this as well. And I say that a lot of about a lot of characters in this movie, uh, largely, especially like Sean Astin. I don't know where he went wrong, where he's he his character and dates was weird enough, having the lisp going on and yeah, and the roid and all that weirdness. And now he's you know bringing it back in, just constantly you know banging. Uh, Spade's wife played by Natasha Leggero in this movie. I, I don't know what he's doing. I, I, I really don't know. And Michael Chiklis is here. People know that Adam Sandler movies are fun to work on. And they'll come work on them. And they know that the movie's not going to be any good. And it's just a comedy. And it's not supposed to be that good. And you're just supposed to laugh. So I feel like that's right. kind of how they look at it. And then meanwhile, you know, if you have a brain cell, you're like, this is awful. Stop it. Right. And then, yeah, please go do something. Yeah. And going back to the sexism, there's, you're talking about all these big names. There's, there's girls in this movie who this is their, probably going to be, is their first credit in a movie 
in which their their characters uh, show their boobs to David Spade on a boat, and yeah. David Spade yeah. shows his wiener, and then they laugh. So then Adam Sandler shoots a flare gun at them. Yes, uh, it's and it's then, pretty bad. And the women are just partic- uh, are just um, the women are just shown as these giggling bimbos on a boat together. It's like a boat just filled with really yeah. really hot supermodel women, and they're right. all just giggling and hanging out like it's a eighties uh, slumber party. It's ridiculous. Yeah, yeah. like I said, uh, it's this is not worth going too crazy about uh, for this particular <laughs> movie, but it it does it falls into that first year, that first effort. And this is part of the movies that got him re-signed, which is part of the, the thing that I just don't understand. Uh, and so I guess people are still watching these movies. They're still, even though he keeps reusing ideas like hell, this movie is the third movie where he, he has a terminal disease and gets miraculously cured. Like he oh keeps following the same stuff over and over again. And yet, we fall for it all the time. And you had mentioned like, uh, you know how every few movies he, he does a serious role where you're like, God, he is really good. Yeah. And then you somehow go, all right, well then I'll watch the next one. And then it's one of these type movies. And you're like, God, what am I doing to myself? <laughs> and it's this weird cycle that we're going through. Like I'll probably watch uncut gems. Because I'm interested, and I, I think that sounds good, and it's getting some decent reviews out of the festivals. But then also at the same time, while he's promoting that, he just wrapped a Halloween movie for Netflix that's going to come out soon, too, I would imagine. Oh, so, no. Unless yeah, it's going to come out next year. So I don't know what's going on with him. I really don't understand the arc here. I, I thought, you know, bringing a person like yourself that you would understand <laughs> uh, maybe a little bit more than me. Uh, but one thing I did want to mention about this particular movie is that it follows this theory that I laughed very hard when you guys were talking about it because it does work very well. Is that okay. so? Sandler does funny people in a movie where he is a sellout and mm-hmm. is doing all these movies that they show the trailers for or clips of, of these movies that he is just taking for the money. They're just God awful. They're, they're acknowledged to be bad. Yep. And some of them look exactly like the movies he does after funny people. When I first saw the trailer for Jack and Jill, I thought that Adam Sandler was doing funny people too. And that yeah. that was a, same thing happened with like grownups. Yeah, you're like, no, the they're playing uh they're playing fake movie stars in this movie, but the real movie is going to be about them not being movie stars and hanging out as friends. Nope, that was the movie. No, and including one of the movies that they uh, have as one of the sellout movies and funny people is called the redo, which is very close to the do over and kind of a, a like it's all oh, I I I I was just like. Wait, is he just coming from his own ideas of what he was doing? Like, I don't, I was baffled. I was like, oh my God, he's right. You, when you guys mentioned it on the podcast, it blew my mind because I went back and I looked at some of the titles and I was like, oh my God, they're almost the same. 
I would say that the ones in Funny People are actually more interesting. Whatever one where it's his head on a baby's body or whatever. That's the redo. Yeah, the redo. Yeah, I'd much rather do the redo. Yeah, do the redo than the do-over. Than the do-over. 100%. Way more interesting of a premise. Probably way more fun. Probably a lot less David Spade, who I I don't hate. Uh, And he's trying in this movie, in the do-over. Right. But uh, he's not enjoyable. No. (laughs) So, so where do you go from here with your podcast? Because I think I think covering uh, these two movies, I think we've we've probably hit our wits end, and most other people's as well. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry, <laughs> no, no, absolutely. Uh, so you know, you're you are continuing on with your project. You're continuing on with the podcast, and and still covering. Yeah. Like, will you be doing cut gems and anything else coming through? I know you did murder mystery, so. Yeah, totally. So uh, I did that uh, podcast with my uh, with Marie and Caleb in. I did that podcast with Marie and Caleb in Chicago, Illinois, and then I moved to Boston. Uh, and I'm like, you know what? You guys just keep the podcast going. Uh, so they're doing that, and they're watching uh, random specific movies. But I will come back for any Adam Sandler movie. So I'm not going to miss any Adam Sandler movie. So okay. anyone that's coming out, I'll be on that. Uh, until then, uh, in Boston, started a new podcast with my roommate. A uh, really funny comedian uh, here in Boston named Nate Lopez. Uh, the podcast is called 91 Donkey Lane. It is a fantasy comedy podcast where it's basically nice. us telling stories of being roommates, but then also just like uh, there's some magical stuff in our apartment. So example is the first episode I met at Nate because he ate some of my food and Nate's mad at me because I found a monkey's paw and used up all the wishes without asking him. <laughs> <laughs> nice. <laughs> uh, and you also really do animation. Yeah. Uh, yeah. If you check out the YouTube one, if you look up the Adam Sandler, please stop YouTube videos. You'll all, you find my YouTube channel. Uh, I do some animation stuff called like I is kitty cat, uh, like what goes on in a cat's mind and stuff like that. So yeah, I produce stuff like that. Uh, most recently it's been mostly the 91 donkey lane uh, stuff. Cause we just started that. We only got four episodes out uh, right now. Uh, and it's, I'm really enjoying it. It's so much fun. I get to have fun. I get to have fun on a podcast and I don't have to watch a shitty movie. Are you still doing improv in Boston as well? Uh, yeah, I just moved here. Uh, I haven't I haven't done a lot of improv yet. I do have a sketch that I'm going to be doing at the October Kerfuffle. Uh, if you guys live in the Boston area and would like to come see me, I do, just look up uh, October Kerfuffle. <laughs> I'm going to be doing a, a bit there. It's a it's a really cool thing where they uh, a bunch of uh, local comedians submit sketch ideas and they pick them based solely on the name, oh, and great. they get put up. It's usually a super fun time. There's it's usually sold out, so try to get tickets. Uh, you know, at least like a week or two before because it's a it's a super fantastic show. That sounds great, man. And Boston has a great scene. I have a, a bunch of Connecticut comedian transplants who are now in Boston and. I've ingratiated themselves into the scene as well. And, uh, and it's tremendous up there. So I hope you enjoy it uh, while you're there. I don't know if you're there long-term, short-term, but you know, it's a definitely I'm a long-term. I'm here for the whole shebang. Tell people where they can find you, where they can find everything. Uh, just give like the rundown and hopefully people can follow your new podcast and any endeavors you got. Sure. Yeah. If you want to follow me, uh, you could follow me on Twitter. I'm at bacon, your mom. Uh, if you want to check out, uh, the podcast, 
It's at 91donkeylane.com, or you could find us on every single podcasting service. And that's it, actually. That's all I want. That's all. <laughs> I'll take those two things. And of course, people can go back and listen to the old episodes of Adam Sandler, Please Stop, to find you as well. Oh, yeah. Check out Adam Sandler, Please Stop. Search at adamsandlerpleasestop.com or just search Adam Sandler, Please Stop on any of your podcasting stuffs. All right. Well, this was great, Bacon. I appreciate you coming on. Uh, you definitely uh, utilizing that uh, Adam Sandler knowledge that you've accumulated over time uh, to make it's this podcast it. even better. <laughs> Thank you so much for having me on, Andrew. This was fantastic. Whenever you want to talk anything, you know, if you want me on for Kevin James stuff, you just let me know. <laughs> we'll do man uh, obviously we have possibly a halloween movie to look forward to possibly sooner than maybe we think so you know uh, i might be back <laughs> taking you on for that one as well oh my god I, I think you i think i knew this and i've like purposely forgot so <laughs> yeah i don't know i mean they they wrapped her uh shooting it i don't know if they're trying to make it for this halloween but god help us all Oh, God help us all. <laughs> all right. Thanks, Bacon. Thanks, buddy. That was fun. Yeah.